0: Hi, I'm Jordan Spieth. You're listening to The Open Podcasts.
1: The One Club, in partnership with MasterCard, is the best way to get closer to golf's original championship. Enjoy enhanced chances of securing future championship tickets. Sign up for free today at theopen.com. You're listening to The Open Podcasts.
2: All I wanted to do is try to be the best possible golfer I could be.
3: I felt like I could add to my resume, but uh, there was a young fellow
0: named Tom Watson who thought otherwise.
3: Yes, well, well, well. It was absolute drama to the end. I don't think I've seen anything better than that in my life,
4: and neither of you. Tom's got a hell of a lot of respect for those that came in the game before him.
0: Tom was a go-getter. He wasn't afraid of anything, and, and uh, he loved to compete.
3: Tom Watson joins the elite.
2: It's great to be remembered for success and not for failure. I can say, I've had my failures, and I can re- you know, be remembered for the failure.
4: Oh, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas.
2: I temper that with some of the successes I've had in, in professional golf, you know, particularly here at the, at the Open Championship.
3: Be a championship
0: winner, if ever the winner. To this day, the man's got a beautiful gospel, and he can still
3: score. It's, it's awesome. The finest Lynx player of our generation by a long way.
4: <laughs> well, I, I think Tom Watts has been pretty good
0: in Open Championships.
2: I feel uh, happy about the way my career went and where I am now. I grew up in Kansas City in, in the middle of the Midwest, where the winters are very cold, but frankly, I didn't play golf from the first of September until April. During the winter, I played uh, American football and basketball when I was growing up. I loved team sport, and, and frankly, I got tired of playing golf. Uh, I wanted to play other sports, team sports. Baseball was my love. In fact, baseball was probably the reason I got involved with golf, because when I was uh, nine years old, I went out for a little league baseball team. And or all my friends were playing. And I got a cut from the team. I wasn't good enough. And uh, so I played golf that summer pretty much uh, full time. And, and actually being the competitive person I was, I played in some competition and, and really, you know, truly started to embrace it and, and loved to play. In particular, playing against my older brother, Ridge, who was three years older and hit the ball longer and, and uh, scored better, I was always competitive with him to try to beat my older brother. So that's how I got started in the game. Of course, my father was always kind of the umbrella. He took me out to play golf sometimes. He said, son, do you wanna go play three holes? I said, yeah, let's go play. And then when I got a little bit older, he said, you wanna go play six holes? I said, sure, let's go play.
3: Have at thee, Mr. Watson.
2: My dad gave me some books when I was a young boy to read about golf. One was O.B. Keeler down the fairway. But, you know, the greatest game ever played. Uh, you know, the stories of uh, Francis. We met uh, hitting Vardon uh, and Ray. Uh, those stories uh, I read as a as a kid. You know, I was. Uh, Uh, interested in golf and and the competitive nature of the game. So I had a a great mentor as a dad uh, to get me started in the game, and I'll forever be grateful for that.
3: Tom Watson, the very, very promising young American.
2: Well, my path to professional golf really stemmed from a, a golf tournament called the Kansas City Men's Match Play which I won in 1964 when I was 14 years old. And it wasn't the importance of winning the tournament specifically, but what, what resulted from me winning the tournament. Uh, I was in a, the den with my mother when I was 15 years old and the phone rang and she listened on the other end. And she turned to me and said, Tommy, how would you like to play with Arnold Palmer?
3: After it was all over, Arnold Palmer and his wife must indeed have been proud of the achievement. Palmer, receiving the trophy, joined that famous band of American golfers who have been champions in Britain as well as in the USA.
2: Arnold Palmer was my absolute hero at age 15. And I said, Mom, you're kidding. He said, no, they want you to play with Arnold Palmer. And that stemmed from me winning the tournament when I was 14 years old. They thought it would be cute to have a 15-year-old play with Arnie. Uh, but, it, you know, I just had stars in my eyes. And, and a year later, uh, my mother was standing at the door when I was com- coming home to school with this uh, kind of sheepish grin on her face, looking at me, I said, what's wrong, Mom? I said, how would you like to play with Jack Nicklaus?
3: All the Periscope up to see his moment of triumph. Jack Nicklaus is the winner of the Open for 1966, the man who'd been trying for so many years to win this title, the only remaining important championship that he'd never won. Jack Nicklaus is the open champion of
4: 1966. I'm Barry Hyde and I've worked with Tom since I started in the uh, golf business in the cart barn at the TPC at Sawgrass in late 1989. Tom's, Tom was a a, a good athlete. He was a really good athlete. and, and, And I think golf appealed to him because it was a bit solitary. Uh, you know, and, and, and the, the stories you read about it, but when he was 14 and playing an exhibition with with Arnold Palmer. He used to look at some of the old pictures, you know, he, he enjoyed, you know, showing off uh, his talents. And then a year later when he played with Jack Nicklaus, and he came back to his teacher and said, I want to be able to hit the ball high with my long irons the way Jack Nicklaus does. And, his teacher said, "Okay, we know, we can work on that, but but uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna take some some work."
2: All I wanted to do was try to be the best possible golfer I could be, and I, I didn't know where that was going to carry me from the beginning. I had no idea. I didn't know whether I'd uh, ever win a golf tournament. I was a pretty fair golfer, but you know, there was things that. Uh, I looked at other golfers and, and, and admired them about their golf game that I didn't have my golf game that I wanted to create my golf game so I could be a great player. And I had a chance to play with Jack Nicklaus in an exhibition too. So winning that tournament when I was 14 years old really gave me the, the dream that someday maybe I could be like Arnold
4: Palmer or Jack Nicklaus. Yeah, I, I think it starts with the fact that Tom's got a, a hell of a lot of respect for those that came in the game before him, whether it's his, his really strong friendship with Byron Nelson, who was a, a mentor, uh, Stan Thurst, the pro at Kansas City Country Club. You know, even his dad, you know, he gives so much credit to his father for getting him started in the game. And Arnold Palmer, uh, you know, all, all of uh, all those folks, I think he took the, the time to ask them questions uh, and learn.
2: You know, throughout uh, my you know, high school career and my college career, uh, I basically always had it kind of the back of my mind that I, I still would like to give it a shot. Give it a shot you know, on the pro tour. But not until my basically the end of my junior year in college that I really say that's the focus I wanted to take once I graduated from college. And that's when I really put the, you know, the pedal to the metal and started really working hard on my golf game.
0: My name is John Mahaffey, and Tom and I went through the PGA Tour qualifying schools and everything together, and uh, have known each other since then. Tom and I both played sports all the way through high school; both lettered in every sport we played in. Uh, but we did it. We did a whole lot of stuff together, and, and we had a whole lot of things in common, as you suggested, in the sports world and doing so many different things, team sports as well as individual. 1971, I met him at the uh, in Quincy, Illinois. It was the first qualifying school that the. Uh, in the regional, and then also uh, in uh, Palm Beach for the finals.
2: Uh, you know, one thing led to another, and I turned professional in 1971. I, fortunately, I qualified for the tour uh, in my first attempt.
0: And uh, we, it was a pretty good school that we came out of. Uh, Lanny Watkins, David Graham, Leonard Thompson, uh, Steve Melnick, who was the uh, the British amateur champion, and also the uh, he won the amateur U.S. amateur. So at Oakmont, so you know, uh, we had a pretty darn good school. To, to have to get through.
2: Yeah, John, You know, we played a lot of golf together uh, in the early stages. We had the same focus on trying to be the best we possibly could and practice hard. And, you know, our focus was, was very similar.
0: Uh, we used to shoot baskets together. He came out and played my nine-hole public golf course. I played Kansas City Country Club. Met his teacher, Stan Thirsk. Uh, found out his nickname was Fly. Tom, because every time he get up on a tee, can I fly that bunker? because he always wanted to be able to knock it over the bunkers and stuff, so they named him Fly, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh,
2: He had a different game than I did. He had a low ball game, and I had a high ball game.
0: Yeah, he hit the ball uh, further than I did. He he had plenty of power. I think our friendship kind of grew through those things, you know, having to endure all that stuff, because in my mind, that was the most pressure I ever felt, was trying to qualify for the tour. It was always tougher back in the old days, right? But... uh, (laughs) He uh you know if he missed then he had to wait a year and you know that's, uh and that, that was pretty devastating to a young guy that was anxious to get out and play a, you know against the best in the world so uh it it was interesting to to have endured those things together
2: I finished second one time in 1972 at the Quad Cities Open I was uh, I finished second to Dean Beeman who eventually was the commissioner of the PGA Tour I got to be exempt my second year in the tour so I didn't have to qualify on Mondays uh, in 1973, uh, actually in 1974, I was all exempt, and then I won my first tournament in 1974 after after a couple of years on the tour, uh, and then the Open Championship in '75 here at Carnoustie.
3: Today, of course, the first day of the 104th Open at Carnoustie, one of the most feared links in the world.
2: The Open Championship really didn't take uh, a front seat with me until basically in my uh, you know my teenage years when I started. Uh, thinking about it and seeing Arnie play and uh, and, and Jack play and and uh, when I uh, had when I got exempt in 1975, I was really looking forward to it to come to Carnasty, as
3: they called it, the toughest links course in the rotation. Ask 150 of the world's best golfers the world's toughest course, and 75 percent will answer Carnoustie. Well, 150 of the world's best golfers came to the Open. And the Open was at Karnoosti. John Mahaffey, runner-up in the American Open. And for the first two days, those champions and some of the non-champions made nonsense of the power of 72. <laughs> Wonderful score, Mahaffey, today. 68.
0: I qualified by uh, actually losing a playoff to Lou Graham uh, for the US Open in 1975 uh, at uh, Badina. And uh, so that got me into the Open Championship. But... Uh, my Uncle Lewis worked from all over the world. I don't know what he did, but uh, I'm thinking he's a spy, but he wasn't. <laughs> but he seemed to be places where things happened after he left. I don't know what that meant. But anyway, uh, Tom came with us. We, we flew over together, and uh, he had a place in, in London. H- Wimbledon happened to be the week before, and so he, took, he had tickets to Wimbledon. So we went and got to watch Roscoe Tanner play, Jimmy Connors, and stuff like that. So we had a lot of uh, fun interactions that weren't necessarily on the golf course, you know, that that solidified, I think, our friendship.
2: When I arrived in Edinburgh, I arrived with uh, John Mahaffey and Hubert Green, with whom we were staying together at a a house we rented in Montefi. So we get our our rental car and we uh, pack all our stuff in it, it was really packed. Uh, We drove up to the house, dropped the stuff off with our respective wives, and then uh, we headed on out to Carnoustie, uh, to play a practice round. Uh, drove into the uh, facility there. The, you know, there. There's no hotel there as, it was, as there is now. And uh, you know, we were getting out of our car, and Keith McKenzie, who was the secretary of the RNA, came, came upon us and just welcomed us to the Open Championship. And, and as we're unpacking our golf bags and putting on our spikes, he, I said to him, I can't wait to play the golf course. And he said, well, I'm terribly sorry. Uh the golf of course is closed to you today.
0: It's true. I know where you're going with this.
2: <laughs> what do you mean closed to me today? Or, or us today? Both you know, John and uber or all three of us were exempt. He said, the course is only for the qualifiers, not for the exempt players today. So I said, Well, what do we do? <laughs> He said, let me arrange for you to play at Montefiith, uh, Links course down the road. So we packed up with our caddies, and we went down to and We teed off in the first hole. And I remember the very first tee shot. I hit it right down the fairway there. It was kind of bright in, um, it was a bright day. That there was no grass on the golf course. Uh, you know, it was just all brown. It's all very, very dry. Yeah, Kearney's used the same way. and. Uh, Right down the middle of the fairway, my ball went, it never to be found again for at least a little whiles, but that we looked for for three minutes, couldn't find the ball. And I said, this is, and this is a Lynx golf course, hit the ball right down the middle of the fairway and you lose your golf ball, where did it go?
0: My version? <laughs> he says, you know, you hit it down the middle of the fairway, it ends up in a bunker, you do, you know, I, I hate this, you know, I, I don't know if I, I, I'm not so sure I should even be here kind of deal.
2: Finally, I just dropped one where I thought the ball should be and hit hit it to the green. And I took a few steps I said, I've got to take, I I can't, no, this ball can't be over here. So I walked about 40 yards off to the left and down in a little depression, there was my ball. And I said, you know, I don't think I like Lynx golf very much if this is the case.
0: (laughs) We go out there and play and and I remember after three or four holes, Watson's looking at me like "This this stuff is terrible. He says, I don't get this. And uh, it didn't bother me as much uh, because I grew up in Texas on a golf course that wasn't in very good shape. And it was always hard and you always had to bounce the ball up and do stuff like there was no, you know, flying it over the bunker and spinning it, you, you know, you had to invent different kinds of shots. So it didn't bother me as much, but uh, as the week progressed, I mean, I think, obviously he learned to love the game or loved to love Links golf.
2: It took me a long time to embrace it seriously.
0: Tom had the same experience. When he first played over here in the the bullpen, he he had the strong sense that this was not a game that that was compatible with what he thought golf ought to be.
3: But if Lynx golf had yet to claim his affection, he'd certainly impressed all who saw him on his first outing over here. My
2: main reason, I think, was uh, the same reason Seve was a success and he was really good at a uh, you know, short game. When you play Lynx Golf, you're going to miss more greens in regulation than you do the American Golf, where the greens are softer. I so, don't you know why
4: did you win, you know, so many open championships. And Tom said, well, in Lynx Golf, everybody's gonna miss at least seven greens. And, you know, I felt like I was gonna get up and down uh, more than, you know,
2: so it gave me an advantage. Uh, you also have you know, different conditions playing in this. You have tighter lies in Links Golf than you do in American Golf. More lusher lies, it's easier to chip and pitch. And I learned how to do it on this on, these, on this turf here, uh, and I was very good at getting the ball up and down. And so was Seve. And we we win. You, know, you win when you miss greens and get the ball you know, up and down for pars.
3: Even at the last, after one of his few wayward shots. It was just an opportunity to show off his short game in front of the grandstand.
0: He had plenty of power. Terrific short game always has had.
3: And that's a very fine shot indeed. Bold putter.
4: He's obviously famous for, for charging putts and uh, and then making the, the comebackers and, you know, kind of making a lot of, of uh, 10, 15 foot putts that had a lot of steam on them.
0: Uh, not a very good driver of the golf ball at that point, compared to what he is today. He's become a much better player, Tee to Green, than, uh, than I think he was back then.
4: Tom is very determined. You know, he's very focused and determined. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's in anything. You know, he's, he has developed a love for a sport called cutting, which is an equestrian thing and he is 100% focused on getting better. He's just a, a focused person and focused and, and, and determined.
0: Tom was a go-getter. He wasn't afraid of anything, and, and uh, he loved to compete.
4: He's super competitive, and you know, the other morning we went to play, and he gives me, uh, he gives me three, three shots aside, side, and, and, and he's into it. He's, uh, he's, he's very stingy, giving putts.
2: You know, competition, I was always, I was always competitive, you know, playing sport uh, or you know, playing you know, you know, playing with my brothers. Sure, I was always competitive. You know the people. You know, everything seemed to be a, you know, a competition, which was fun. I, I enjoyed that and all my friends enjoyed that. They were all competitive.
1: Explore the rich history of the Open like never before with our interactive timeline celebrating the journey visit thejourney.theopen.com and immerse yourself in golf's original championship
2: in 75 and my first open championship at Carnoustie right, I look forward to it
3: and at the long sixth Tom Watson at this fine par 5 Whoa. how about that for two shots very sound final hole and a great round of 67 for Tom Watson. Not quite as good as Bobby Cole, he had a 66, but that's very fine golf.
0: And uh, my first impression car Carnoustie is, I mean, we played three days where it was very li- there was very little wind, and I couldn't figure out why there were some some bunkers in the fairways where they were, because I could fly them, you know, by 40 yards. Found out that on Sunday when the wind came up why those bunkers were there. <laughs> I think it's the second hole that's a very, very long par four. And I think I hit driver three wood, eight iron to that. That's so why I, could, I couldn't reach it, you know, in regulation by any means.
3: This was the day Carnoustie at last came into its own and became the tough links we all knew it really was. For three days it had lain here quietly asleep with gentle weather conditions and it hadn't really bothered anybody. John Mahaffey. With a few of us playing Carnoustie for the first time, I think Jack Nicholas has got a great chance because he's seen Carnoustie when it's played in this type of wind. And uh, I just look for Jack to make a great charge today, Here, maybe Johnny Miller.
0: Uh, it played really tough that day, and, and Tom always played so well in the wind. Kansas City has a lot of wind as well, but he didn't necessarily hit it low, but he hit it solid. And uh, so the ball didn't move very much. He was able to control his shots that way, which was... Uh, a tremendous attribute to be able to play in those kinds of conditions. Watson was finishing with his
3: customary precision.
2: In 75, when my first Open Championship at Carnoustie, I think I was three shots behind going into the final round. Um, Bobby Cole was leading the tournament. Uh, and there were other, you know, Johnny Miller was in there, and Jack Nicklaus and, uh, and Jack Newton. Uh, there were several players uh, right there and ahead of me at times.
3: Now, if I just tell you what the scores were at the point at which we're going to join the action, you'll see exactly what I mean. Bobby Cole of South Africa was now 11 under par and was having to share the lead with Jack Newton of Australia. Now, one stroke behind them came Johnny Miller. One stroke behind him came his fellow American, Tom Watson. And one stroke behind Watson came Jack Nichols.
2: Walking to the first tee, I stopped and chatted with Byron Nelson and Chris Schenkel. And unlike the first three days when there was no wind, the winds were really blowing on that Saturday, the final round. And I, it was a nice conversation with, with Byron and Chris. And I, I asked Byron, I said, Byron, what do you think it's gonna to take to win today? And he said, Tom, if you shoot even par, you'll be right there. And I was three shots behind. He was, he was a prophet.
3: And predictably what happened was that the leaders, the overnight leaders all began slowly to come back towards each other and a whole pack began to be in contention.
2: But I came down to the last few holes and looking at the leaderboard and the, and the players behind me were still you know, two or three shots ahead of me, but they hadn't played 15, 16, 17, and 18. And I was ahead of them far enough where uh, I came to the 18th hole and I said, you know, if I make birdie in this one. I might have a chance. They were falling off the leaderboard. They were making big scores. And I said, "Man, they're all
3: coming back to me." Miller putts and oh, no. drifted away. So Miller drops a stroke. 16th but there you are. That was the one I was talking about for Cole to try to get level. Just missed it, so he takes a four as well.
2: If I make brewery in this last hole, I might have a chance. And I hit a driver and a 9-iron on the 18th
3: hole. It to you right downwind. Well, I must say, if you could hold this, could really put the cat among the pigeons. 8-under at the moment, this to go 9-under. And now, this for a 3 to share the lead for Tom Watson. Oh. Well, Aaron, that might be a championship winner, if ever there was one. Well, that was the right one at the right moment and I uh,
2: unfortunately made the putt from about 20 feet. Went ahead and pumped the air and I said, yeah, let's see what happens now.
3: So he beats Miller and Nicholas, and only two people remaining out on the course now, Bobby Cole from South Africa and Jack Newton from Australia.
2: Jack Newton ended up parring the last hole to tie me and we got it in the playoff.
0: When I finished him, and uh, he had a playoff with Jack Newton uh, the championship
3: yes well done jack great effort round in 74. newton and watson survived to fight another day tomorrow sunday the 13th of july 1975.
0: i was glad to see my friend you know uh played so well and and did that because tom always was right seemed to be right there you know with a chance to win a lot of tournaments and uh, majors as well
3: all knew he was a fine player, but some doubted his desire and ability to win on the big occasion.
0: In fact, in Medina, he was right there uh, till the very end and, uh, and faltered a bit. So, and kinda, I think, uh, he never really got down on himself. The press did, uh, you know, and, and uh, called him, uh, you know, said he couldn't finish it off, all that kind of stuff.
3: Newton, Australian, 25, casually, shamblingly, flamboyant, and Watson, American, also 25, with the air of a college boy, and a reputation at major events for being the promising loser, not the stout-hearted winner.
2: The next morning uh, at the small house that we had rented in Monifieth, it was raining. And I noticed the wind was blowing from a different direction, you know, I walked outside. It was blowing from the north. On Saturday's round, it was blowing hard from the south, and now it's blowing hard from the north. And uh, I got a knock on the door before we left, and uh, this little wee lass in bare feet, it was raining, pretty chilly, uh, light rain. And she came up to me and she said to me, "City, please take this for good luck. And it was a, something wrapped in tinfoil. And uh, I just looked down there and smiled, and I said, well, thank you very much, and, and I think I will. And so I went in the house, and opened it up, and it was a piece of white heather. And I, uh, I put it in my golf bag, and it remained in my golf bag for years, for years. I wish I still had it, and I wish, I, I wish that little girl would uh, come to me and inter- introduce herself to me. I know she's probably a grandmother by now, <laughs> But I, uh, I'd like to like to meet up with her again, but that was a, one of the sweetest moments I've ever had.
0: Tom Watson, lay away.
2: It was a nip and tuck battle the whole day. And Jack and I were never separated, by more than a sh- stroke. I, I went up on him, and then he went up on me, and then we ended up being even going into the last hole. Uh, we both hit good tee balls into the strong wind on the last hole
3: they both safely on the fairway with their tee shots.
2: Uh, I hit I hit first, and I hit a two iron, and I hit it, uh, you know, bounced on the front of the green and then rolled up, you know, probably 30 feet
3: under the green. This is when one has to keep a cool head. Oh. Safely on the green, but still a long way away. And uh, Jack
2: pulled his shot into the left bunker. Oh, and he's caught the bunker. He's in a pretty good position there, but still, you know, Jack's a good bunker player. He hit his bunker shot out about eight feet. Really good bunker shot. I assumed he was going to make it, and I uh, went up and and I putted my ball up about, I probably putted about two and
3: a half feet past. Now Watson must run this up stone dead. Oh, look, look, look at that for judgment. Isn't that absolutely marvelous putt from young Tom? And he decides
2: to putt said, I'll, I'll finish, mm-hmm. and I finished it, and knocked it in.
4: Well done Watson. Four
3: goals, scores in 71, one under par with a replay. And now we see, well, do we see the final stroke, or don't we? This to equal 71 by Watson. What a moment in a man's life.
2: watched him as he, he putted his putt, and he just missed it.
3: No, it didn't go, and that's that. The 1975 Open champion is Tom Watson.
2: And um, I was Open champion. Alfie Files, my caddy, came up and gave me a big hug. My wife, Linda, big hug, and uh, it was wet and rainy, and. Uh, heck, they were already pulling the stands down. The uh, uh, you, know, you could hear the construction crew out there. They're pulling some of the stands down around the golf course. So anyway, we uh, uh, went and we did the ceremony, and uh, kind of a humorous event occurred during the ceremony. Uh, the The captain was presenting me the uh, the trophy, and he uh, he, he went through a, a, a small salutation, and then he. He said, now I present the champion golfer of the year, Tom
3: Kite. And Sir John Carmichael, the captain of the Royal Nation, presents the winner of the 1975 Open Championship, Tom Watson with his check and this wonderful trophy that bears so many great names in golf.
2: And I didn't really have anything to say, what I should have said. is so on behalf of Tom Kite and myself, thank you very much for this trophy. I should have said that, but anyway. And then we uh, we went back to uh, the hotel and uh, drove to Edinburgh, stayed in a hotel and drank a nice bottle of champagne.
0: Obviously, that was a turning point for him to win at Carnoustie, especially as tough as that golf course was. Going back to Tom Watson early on and when he was having some struggles, I think the influence of Byron Nelson, Helped a lot. I think he got. He learned how to calm down. He learned. To, he understood that he was really a terrific player. That he just had to let that come out, and uh, you know, it might take some time. It, and it did for a while. And then when it did, when it overflowed, he played so well, and uh, you know, just to this day, the man's got a beautiful golf swing, uh, and, and he can still score. It's it's awesome.
3: Tom Watson's first victory came in 1975 at Carnoustie in a playoff against Australian Jack Newton. Tom was always the bridesmaid and never the bride. It was the turning point in Tom's career. His love affair with the open had begun,
2: and that was uh, that was kind of the beginning. But not until 1977 did my career really take off. And that uh, and, you know, I have to attribute it to the, the efforts that I put into uh, being the best I possibly could be all times, playing the game, practicing uh, in the game, and and, looking forward to seeing him. I wanted to be the best possible golfer I could be.
4: Hello, I'm Jack Nicklaus, and I was a champion golfer of the year in 1966,
1: 1970, and 1978. Coming up next week on The Open Podcasts. 77, Watson and I had our match at, at Turnberry. (laughs)
3: Oh, <laughs> what about that then? Well, I tell you what, if there's any knighthoods flying about or honorary degrees, well, this fellow must be useful one. <laughs> I've never seen anything like
2: that in my life. It made a change to my golf swing, and I really was playing my best golf in my career.
0: It felt like I could add to my resume, but uh, there was a young fellow named Tom Watson who
1: thought otherwise.
2: Quite a knockdown, drag out, shootout for those 18 holes.
1: With thanks to Tom Watson. Written, produced and edited by Chris Lewis. Executive produced by Paul Sutcliffe. Additional support from Chris Devine and Liam Allen. Join us for a summer to remember at the AIG Women's Open. Witness Anna Nordquist defend her title on the renowned links of Muirfield. Book today at AIGWomensOpen.com This has been an original audio production. From the open.